HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is made possible thanks to listeners like you. Want to support independent food radio? Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate today. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and I love to talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. If you're just tuning in for the first time, all the previous episodes of Feast Your Ears can be found in the archives at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm thankful for listeners like you, and I'd love it if you'd leave me a review wherever you find this podcast. It's been 10 years since Heritage Radio Network started bringing you the best in food podcasts, so become a member today. We're in the middle of our summer fund drive, or fun drive, depending on how you want to say it. And if you go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate, you can... Support us and get some really great uh, gifts with your membership. So head over there and help support Feast Your Ears and the other 35 shows that get produced every week here at HRN. Today's theme, must have coffee. I must have coffee. It's not a want, it's a need. I'm well aware that this is a drug and that I'm an addict, but I need the caffeine. I usually drink a cup of coffee during Feast Your Ears, and I usually bring my guest whatever kind of coffee they would like. Coffee used to be something that most people made at home and sometimes drank in restaurants. Then in the 90s, it started to change. I was a teenager in California in 1992. We would go after school to Cafe Passport and drink lattes with Orgiat syrup. We learned about espresso, weird antifreeze-colored sodas at the Brick House, Deaf Dog Coffee. We would drink single-origin pour-over with freshly roasted beans at the Apple Box. Petaluma, California was way ahead of its time back then. But now we have lots of good coffee here in the U.S., there's a new kid on the block in Brooklyn by way of Sydney. It's called Gumption. It truly takes gumption, not only for Hazel de los Reyes to be a woman roaster in the mostly male coffee world, but also for her company to make the leap from Australia to these shores, and not just with a shop, but with a wholesale operation and roasting, too. Back in May, I had a chance to visit and do a cupping with Hazel in Gumption's cafe and lab at Industry City in Brooklyn. Give it a listen and check them out, gumption.nyc and at 168 39th Street in Brooklyn. Enjoy. We receive daily samples of green coffee from various suppliers, either from here or direct from origin. And then we, you know, make decisions uh, based on, you know, how the coffee fared in the cupping table. So most often the cupping will be blind, so there'll be numbers, so mm. we don't make assumptions about 
the, 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 the quality of the coffee, right. knowing, you know, beforehand what they'll be. Got it. So we, you know, it's usually numbered and then we'll score and then we'll discuss what our top three coffees are and their qualities. And then the exciting bit is the reveal at the end. Right. <laughs> See who, who the big winner is. Yes, right? yes, yeah. yes, yes. And so, and the thing is, every cupper in any roastery will have their own sort of like biases and preferences. Sure, and Fla- it's all flavor you know, preferences exactly. too, right? I and mean, chefs all have that. Exactly. Yeah. It's cultural. Yep. Um, it's genetics. So, but the thing is, um, we, after cupping together many times, we kind of, start getting to know each other's cupping preferences and would you know you know like if we cup you know a, a table of 10 coffees we always come up with the same top three huh. it'll be variations sure. of one right. two three but it'll be you know and then somebody will argue for a, a, you know a fourth one but you know and then you can kind of almost see where they're coming from and and in the in that style in those cuppings the goal is to come up with, okay, we're going to buy this green coffee. Well, usually, And yes. then roast it and put it into production. Yes, exactly. And obviously, when you're cupping, depending on what the place of that sample would be in your inventory, then you'll score it accordingly. It. And then what about roast for that cupping? Do you take each of those coffees and roast them differently, or do they all get roasted exactly no, the same? No, we all roast them exactly the same. We Got have it. a reference roast. But depending as well, sometimes... If the coffee is quite fresh or quite dense, we realize against our reference roast, it's not developing enough. So we'd ask for a second. Hopefully, you know, we get 200 grams of sample. So we, we load our sample roaster with 100 grams. We have enough to do a second one. Got it. Um, it, that can happen. And the other type of cupping that we do would be as quality control. So say, for example, countries like Ethiopia has one harvest. So, you know, they'll come fresh and vibrant, you know, in June, July, and then, you know, monthly we'll do, you know, sort of like quality control um, cupping just to see how they're faring. Mm, and as then, the beans sit. As, yes, the beans the sit, sit and, and, and as we hold on it as, as the crop ages. And then obviously if a coffee's displayed really great sort of like um, storage qualities, in terms of they don't lose much cupping points or maybe you know from from beginning of crop to the to the end of the cycle they've only lost half a point then for us it's an indication okay let's get this coffee again got it so but then again they'll go through a blind cupping process and if they don't make it tough yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway so this is the cupping and it's kind of like a universal protocol that the Specialty Coffee Association has come up with. Right. Just so producers in the country um, and roasters in consuming countries can, um, I guess, assess the coffees accurately. We don't have any variations in extraction because we're all doing it 100 and... Uh, 8.5 grams to 150 mils of coffee and 92 degrees of water and steeping time of, of four minutes. And Got it. So that stuff's all kind of yeah. set in stone so that the coffee itself is, can is, really yeah. against how you roast it. Yes, it. exactly. So cool. anyway, so let's go. And awesome. it's, this is the first stage, which is the dry fragrance. Okay. So it's, it's as close as to freshly ground as possible. And it's just um, tapping the bowl okay. and sniffing. Should I do this one? Oh, yeah, no, you can okay. do that. And then cool. we'll all get a, a, 
a good chance of um, evaluating. So you're sniffing it. Two things are coming across at this stage is the intensity of the, the fragrance that you're getting and plus the quality as well. Hmm. The second one that I'm smelling is much more like vegetal. Uh-huh. And has much less flavor mm. than the first Th that one. one like is less intense, intense nose, yeah. Very distinctive, that one too. Oh, I like the name. This one I like the name of, Hairy Chest. <laughs> Ooh. And so we have two on here that are roasts that you guys already produced. Yes, normally, right? so they're, the hammer you know, and tongs and yes, the hairy chest. Yes, those are production roasts. Right. We did, I just thought for the, for this cupping purpose, we'll sort of like um compare what's you know for out there and yeah. the samples that we get. Very nutty, these two. The ah, two from Brazil, ah, like have a very go. nut kind of. Nose. There you go. Yes, they tend to be. Um, and then we'll now add some water. Sherry, would you like to get a sniff before I add water through? I wasn't oh, sure if I should be a part of that. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You know, but cupping Sherry like Byer, host of All in the Industry, is also here yeah. with us. Hello. <laughs> so, um, yeah, basically when we're cupping, it's kind of like, sometimes I will cup, but I'll invite others who are available. And the, the difference is, I will score, but others might not be, you know, might not be scoring. Got it. Don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've ever come across it. But how does caffeine work in coffee? Well, like, it, what? It, it, it reacts to a whole lot of things. Firstly, the roasting. Okay. Um, Just because now like, we're in we're in a moment with things like cannabis, where people are starting to talk about like reference points of like how much is in something, okay. and we have that for like alcohol, right? I mean, when you you know you look at a beer label it tells you how much alcohol is in it but you know i feel like the other night i was out to dinner and someone was like oh don't worry about it you can have an espresso if you know there's not that much caffeine in espresso mm -hmm. and i was thinking is that really is that true and like what affects the amount of well caffeine it, yeah well it could be well the the the, the roast level can affect the amount of caffeine mm. um soluble caffeine and the other thing as well is the extraction time so espresso having been only extracted for maybe around 25 seconds yeah you would assume there's less caffeine in that and that's probably what's coming through that um that statement mm. um whereas if you have a french press coffee um you will extract a bit more caffeine but it all depends on the roast mm. but I, I think on the whole um an espresso coffee wouldn't have much more caffeine than a regular drip coffee I think it's similar it's just that I think you'll be woken up a lot more by the intensity of the espresso coffee sure. so I, mean, I, like I drink espresso every morning at home and like I you know I sort of don't feel like it doesn't have enough caffeine it certainly wakes me up every yeah day. so it, it's kind of really more like um yeah the, I, I think you get woken up by the intensity of flavor more 
um, than anything else. And um, and yeah, people equate that to the amount of caffeine in the espresso. Yeah, and you can do that too. So I've set the timer for four. So you've done this before, I can tell. I have, I have done it before, but not in a long, not in a very long time. And not in, not like kind of in this style of like things that aren't in production, you know? Uh-huh. Like I've done it, when we had a grocery store, we did it with a couple different coffee suppliers, but that was sort of just like to understand the tasting notes of things, but not. Yeah, um, yeah so we, Usually at a cupping, it'll be good. At, at Origin, you usually have five samples per coffee. Mm. But we just get, if we're lucky, 80 grams, 100 grams a sample. So we try to just minimize that. Yeah. Just, to, uh, <laughs> just in case we'll have to re-roast. Right. Yeah. So. Got it. And so, and so you have here in the cupping room a small, small batch sample yeah, roaster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've definitely seen small size roasters like that in, mm. in almost like production use in mm. places like Japan, ah, where you yes. have like tiny little coffee shops, like the size of this <gasps> yes, roasting room, yes, 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 and they're yes. just roasting these tiny little batches yeah. fresh, oh, and it's like Have insane. you ever been to Alhambra in Tokyo, where this guy um, was roasting really aged green, like 1970s, 1960s? Whoa. Um, but then he'll roast it there, and then he'll brew it there on the spot. Um, but anyway, I just learned that that guy just passed away a couple of years ago. Oh, no, but I haven't yeah, ever been. Yeah. I mean, I've been to a bunch but of yeah, shops I mean, in Japan. Yeah, where they I, get, like, I do. This is you know. very small, and it's yeah. almost like that, but right. they'll roast it fresh. And right. It's also a tiny space that they have, sure. actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Um, yeah. So, and then, are you looking for anything visually with the roast? Um, well, or is it really usually about this, you can tell the samples; um, they tend to sink, mm. and the production roast, being dark, tend to. Uh, oh, interesting! Right, so the two production ones, the gr- the grains are floating, <laughs> yes, and the sample, yes, the samples yes. mostly I, have sunk. I think because they're they're quite light, and so the particles are a bit heavier. Ah, got it. So we can now um, sniff. So it's uh, breaking the crust, um, and just because the, the water is at its hottest at this stage, you kind of follow that spoon with your nose just to soak in all that vapors. Got it. So we're just so, smelling. Yeah. Go. I'm gonna watch you first. The key to this is consistency. So if you decide to run your spoon through three times or four times or five times, do it the same for all the uh-huh. other coffees. Got it. Here, so you're not over-sniffing one and under-sniffing the other Got and then penalizing them on the scores. Sniff evenly. <laughs> <laughs> i people that don't even go through the aroma bit of the scoring because I can, you know, sort of like, it makes sense. They go, well, customers don't do that to their coffee. <laughs> That's a good point. Now, I mean, I, you know, certainly I feel like I'm, I'm looking for or I'm, I'm encountering 
the different coffees very similarly, right? Like the first one that I smelled ground smells really strong. Yes, that's because you started off, off with of this, Ethiopia. right? <laughs> but <laughs> they're usually very distinctive. And if you ask anyone who kind of no coffee and like coffee, you go, "What's your favorite coffee?" Most often, they'd go, "Ethiopia." Well, so I guess my the, the question has to do with. Um, do you ever encounter, like, I'm finding these to be very similar, right? The yes. ones that smelled very light are still smelling light in the brew. Does yes. that, is there ever a moment where that is actually different, where it smells very strong, dry ground, and then yeah. it doesn't smell that much yes. when it's brewed? Okay. Yes, yes, all the time. And you kind of penalize it for that because it's like, well, you know, people don't consume it as dry ground. <laughs> you don't right. sell it right, right, for, right. you know, a, a cup of dry ground coffee. Sure. So. And it's, it's, it's more like a disappointment. It's like it had so much promise, but then once you added water, it's not there anymore. Got it. So it's kind of like, do I, do I really like this coffee? Or it's, it's, yeah. So that's just something that you notice. Got it. Okay, so it's all cleaned up. And now it's a slurping time. So when we slurp, it's basically with, you know, special cupping spoons. It's, it's spreading or aspirating as much of the liquid into as much parts of your mouth because there are various sensors in different parts of your mouth so you get a clear picture of the coffee that you're you're evaluating so this is you can drink this <laughs> we're not cupping too much you don't have to spit and so when you're doing that you're trying to um, get a sense of the coffee's flavor the coffee's level of acidity, is it nice, sparkling, or is it um, tart and astringent? Hmm. Is it pleasant? But at the same time, all the, all the qualities that you're assessing, body, flavor, balance, acidity, sweetness, cleanliness, it all comes in hand with preference. So right. are you liking it? Are sure. you not liking it? Right. Should we wait to offer opinions? Huh? I said, should we wait to offer opinions? Oh, uh, yes. Oh, well, it doesn't have to be. This is not like a proper no, cup no. table where, you know, you, you put on a poker face and you tell us what you think. The hairy chest, it's delicious. The, the production coffees then will you make those from some of these other yes. beans that's what you're kind of yeah and so you're so, also you're also tasting to think about which of these beans exactly, will work for your exactly. specific roast that you're doing so, whether they're from brazil or ecuador or ethiopia exactly so whether they'd fit in any of our blend blend inventory yep. or they're good enough to stand on their own like for example the ethiopia they're always a feature coffee got it because they've got Right. And plus, what, if you put them in the blend, they just kind of like, you know, sort of like crazy sopranos that will just sing on their own out of tune. <laughs> I love the description of like singing. I like that. I came back to the one I didn't like before, but it's not as bad the second time around. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. it's got more caramels coming through. But yeah. What do you find from going from the smell to the slurping and the taste it does my preference changes yeah, yeah sure there's variations yep. there's heaps yeah and so you kind of like after you know the aroma is like i'm not getting anything don't worry about it there's, right. there's heaps of stages where you'll get something from the yeah, yeah, yeah so between the two blends which are you leaning towards 
I mean, my mom always said she liked to buy wine based on the based on the label. Yeah. And so the hairy chest calls out to me because I like the name. <laughs> but it's also very popular with the ladies. Hairy chest. For me today, I would go with the hairy chest. Ah. Oh, yeah. It's really you know it's very full. I like the hammer and tongs. I think today for me anyway, it's very like it's smooth. Yeah. It is it's very, very smooth. smooth. Very smooth. Yeah. Yes, and and I, I was thinking. It's got two applications, espresso and drip. Mm. And that's why I thought for New York, it would be a very good um, blend to showcase. But I got um, hammer and tongs just to compare. And I'm thinking, I'm getting ideas for both. So mm. there you go. Um, and how are you liking the Ethiopia? Did you like the Ethiopia at all, Sherry? It's very funky. I like this one a lot. Yeah, I like I mean, I like it a lot. Marmora? Yeah. It's yeah. Very topical. Yeah. Kind of jackfruit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was yeah. going to say that was Mango. that was another one of my favorites for sure. It has more like sort of non like I guess non coffee flavors come through. Yeah. In it. And um as it cools down, the acidity comes out a lot more. Mm. Um and that's why we kind of like wait. And yeah, so oh, yeah. the brightness is coming through. Um and yeah, so this is yeah, natural process it co- it comes out a bit more tropical. Whereas the washed Ethiopians tend to come out more floral, mm. um, more tangerines, apricots, and these are usually tropical. Got it. Coming out. And so, what about you? I mean, as the as the professional yes. of the four that are not part of your blends, what do you think of them? Um, I look because there's history in this. I actually don't mind the Ecuador because when we first cupped it and how it's cupping now, I'm thinking, wow, it's standing pretty okay. Mm. Mm. Knowing that it's faded, there's still a bit of flavor coming through, um, so that's good. Um, it, of course, Ethiopia and the two Brazils, they're showing quite different things for being very, very similar in terms of the terroir and where they come from. Um, so that's been quite good. And, you know, in terms of the ideas that I get as a roaster, which one can I develop more and which one probably can highlight the, the fruits Yep. Um, and obviously the blend, it's like, I'm, I'm glad hammer and tongs are coming out, it's coming out quite smooth. That's yeah. the intention for the blend. But with hairy chest, it's actually flown in from Sydney. I got them to send me some hairy chest. And we call it, yeah, well, basically, it, the name speaks for itself. And I'm thinking, can I push hammer and tongs a lot more towards hairy chest? Now I reckon I can. Mm. So, um, yeah, but this, it's, it's for those things, I, I wouldn't have... I would say I have a favorite. I mean, as in, all of them are nice. Right, right, right. right. And, and, and usually that's the thing with coffees. I mean, what's your favorite coffee? Well, what are you talking about? Right, sure. Brazils <laughs> or Ethiopias or this? Because yeah. you can't, you know, because they all display different things. Right. I mean, I, I've been trying recently to shy away from the superlative in conversation. Yeah. Because I feel like it's overused and people are always like, what's your, what's the best coffee? And it's yes. like, well, how can I, I mean, you can't. There's heaps of coffee. At coffees. this point, we can't say that, right? Like maybe exactly. at, at some point when someone opened who was miles above the rest, you yes. can say this is the best coffee. But now yeah. there's so many great coffee roasters, coffee producers, yes. coffee brew methods. What's the best? I, mm. I can't really say. Yeah, whatever. What's your favorite? What do you exactly. like right now? Exactly. What do you like right now? What what's, did you have this morning? Yeah. Bear in mind that tomorrow could be a different story. Right. What, what's a good suggestion you have for me? Right. Like, I mean, you, you wouldn't have to go into a wine shop and say, what's the best wine in here? You'd go in and say, I'm looking for something that is this and this, right? Yes, like, exactly. It's the same question I get with what's your favorite restaurant. Yeah, which sure. I can never answer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> How can you? Where are you standing at that moment? Right. How hungry are you? Exactly. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And and yeah. and yeah. So there you go. Cool. And um, yeah, and and like your 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 mom, I I base my wine <laughs> on the name and the label. <laughs> Well, and and obviously as a, I mean, as a, as a roaster and as a producer, I mean, you know, you, you guys are very smart to do that too, because lots of people do that, right? Mm. I mean, lots of people are going to buy Harry Chest, both because it's really good, but also because they think the name is, yeah, right? I mean, like, I can, I can see buying that as a housewarming gift, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. And it also helps to inform the customer what, whether it's a strong coffee or a softer coffee. Exactly. So. So there you go, and 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 yeah. So there you go. So that's our cupping for today. Awesome! Thank you um, so much. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's, it's we we kind of like yeah. This is part and parcel of everyday um, um, roasting. Is you need to allow space and time to actually cup your sample so you can buy your samples. Yep. Um, I don't know how a roaster can really, you know, buy blind. Right. Um, or maybe based on the name right. <laughs> <laughs> and based on the price you can make a decision yeah. uh, and based on the marketing that your supplier gives you I don't know but it, it's it's definitely kind of like it helps us when we do it blind which ones and the good thing about doing a blind cupping is that um, we've come across really really great coffees that have just been undervalued hmm. you know ignored yeah. but because we you know it's like oh excellent it's good, um, and yeah, and, and therefore when we do that, we can showcase coffees that are not sort of like as popular as the other hipster coffees out right. there, <laughs> because they taste as good, but they're not as, as yeah, right. well-branded. Sure. So there you go. Awesome. Anyway, cool. so thank you for joining me. This episode is brought to you by you. As an independent member supported nonprofit, the amazing content you hear on HRN is made possible thanks to our generous community of members and partners. For 10 years, HRN has been a defining voice in America's food movement, and we never would have made it this far without you. Join us in celebrating an amazing decade of food radio and support our summer fun drive by becoming a member of HRN. You can choose from our member gifts and will receive exclusive discounts on HRN events. We truly believe that with your help, we can change the world and our food system one bite or sound bite at a time. But there's no food radio without you. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate before July 31st to do your part to ensure a bright future for your favorite food podcasts. I would love to know about the coffee scene in Australia mm. and why you decided to open Okay. In New York, you have three coffee places currently in Australia, yes, right? Yes, And this is your first one outside Australia? Yes, it's the first one outside of Australia. Well, um, our, our coffee places in Sydney have been quite a success. So we have a roastery and three cafes, and they're doing really, really well. And, you know, it's kind of like you grew from one, and then you open another shop, and then open a third shop. And sure. then we came to a point where we go... Okay, um, what do we do next? Right. Is it more of the same or <laughs> should we amp it up a bit? And we thought, where would be the most challenging place? Because we're up for a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> challenging place to open up a roastery and where we'd find, yeah, we're not getting any younger, you know, we still have a lot of fire in the belly, but somewhere where you can sort of like make a mark and 
and know, hey, you know, we've, we've done our best. This is the best that, you know. Um, and we thought New York. Right. Because New Yorkers are, love their coffee. They can have more than one coffee a day, you know, most often three, mm-hmm. just like Sydney people would. And it's a beverage that they can't do without. It's not just a social beverage. It can no, be. No, we're all addicted to it. For yeah, sure. exactly. In but in, in, in some countries, it's a social beverage where right. you, catch over, you know, catch up with someone over coffee and you sit somewhere and spend three hours there um, over just one coffee. But, you know, in Sydney, people will have must have a coffee before they get to work, must have one by morning tea, must have another one by, you know, after lunch. And for some, will have to be, they'll have to find something before they get home. Right. And it's much like New York. And we thought, hey, the culture is similar that way. There's demand for coffee. Let's, 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 you know, let's go there. Yeah. There's heaps more <laughs> coffee drinkers in New York than there are in Sydney. Well, and you've come, I mean, so you've opened, we're, st- we're in Industry City in Building 19, mm-hmm. and you've opened Gumption Coffee. Your yeah. other coffee uh, businesses in Australia have, one of them is called Gumption, one is called Coffee Alchemy, right? That's yes. the roaster, that's the yes. main roastery yes. there. Um, and then one called Micro Coffee. Yes, yes. And Micro Coffee, I assume, is very small. Yes, right? yes, and it's in the new development. Um, and again, you know, like all the other three uh, places, we don't have any food, hmm. nothing, n- not even little biscottis that can go with your coffee. So, um, um, and yeah, and, and they're all quite doing well. And we thought, th- the principle behind that is that why do we need to cookie cut ourselves? We didn't want it coffee alchemy in the city, coffee alchemy in Marrickville, coffee alchemy in Barangaroo, we're not like that. We thought, you know, we always come up with names, you yeah. know, and, and a whole lot of ideas for a coffee shop. And we've always thought it should reflect, you know, the environment that it's in. And that's, therefore the branding reflects that. The, the, the clientele and, and, and almost the people that work there reflect that. And so we thought, you know, it's always going to be a different name. But when we went to New York, it's like, okay, so instead of coming up with something, think what, what of us that we think will work very well in New York? Sure. And we thought, well, you know, gumption. Yeah. It takes gumption to yeah. <laughs> to get there. <laughs> totally. And New Yorkers understand gumption. Yep, for sure. Um, and and yeah, whenever I mention it, people understood what I meant. Yeah, I mean, coffee. So coffee in Sydney is it similar to the way it was in New York? I mean, fifteen twenty years ago in New York, there were a couple of sort of fancier coffee shops where mm-hmm. you might have a specific blend or you might have a roastery. And now I feel like there are so many of them and it's great. I mean, the better coffee's gotten so much better. Yeah. But I remember even before that, there were New Yorkers who had like little secret, like people like coffee from this one deli or this other deli. A friend of mine lived on Lexington in the twenties and there was a bodega across the street from him that was famous because they double brewed their coffee. <laughs> They ran it through the drip machine, like the big giant, like, you know, commercial drip machine. Yes, yes, yes. And then yes. they put in more beans and they ran the coffee, coffee back through again. again. Oh, and so wow. they had like super strong yes. coffee and they were famous yes. for it yes. among people who lived around there. Wow. And so there was like, to me, I think it's so interesting that there was this kind of thing where people were chasing down special coffee mm, that mm. wasn't what we now think of as specialty coffee. Yes. But, you know, I, I think there is still that. The, yeah. People will still gravitate towards what, where they've had a good experience in. And I thought that's why we're attracted to New York as well. Sure. Um, 
and and people have that sense and people feel strongly about their coffee that way um and we thought okay well there's enough people there we can attract the people who you know are quite aligned to us in terms of flavor in terms of our approach to coffee so but in terms of the scene in sydney um because i i guess of migration a lot of europeans migrated sydney in the in the 50s Mm. And therefore, right now, we are almost 100% espresso-based. Oh, so I see. So if you order a coffee, it'll have to be a latte, a flat white, a cappuccino, or a long black, or a short black. But I must say, there's now the advent of, because of specialty coffee, third wave coffee, there's now, you know, sort of like batch brews. Yeah. But we still put through quite light lightly roasted single estate coffees in the batch brew and it's kind of more like a, a a showcase coffee more than anything else not like here which you know a batch brew is regular coffee so you can get a cup of that and you go to the condiment bar and do whatever right. you want with it but i will tell you that as someone who grew up in new york in new mm. york there used to be something called a coffee regular mm-hmm. that is different from regular coffee okay and if you order it and and this is probably Less and less true, but in the old days, this happened to me when I was a kid. My father drank his coffee black, and he sent me into a bodega to buy a cup of coffee for him. And I said, can I have a coffee? And the guy said, do you want it regular? And I said, yes, thinking that meant black. And I brought it back out to my dad, who was waiting in the car, and he took a sip, and he said, ugh, what is in this? Yes. And then he said, did you order coffee regular? And I said, what do you mean? Of course I did. You drink it black, right? And I was like, like in eight or nine years old. And he said, no, in New York, coffee regular is milk and two sugars. Two sugars. Ah, now it's cold, light, and sweet. <laughs> yes, now now it's light and sweet. But in, yeah, back yeah. in the day, coffee regular was milk and two sugars. But I didn't know that. <laughs> ah, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, no, we still have people saying that. Yeah. As in, oh, light and sweet. Because, yeah, it's, it's still, you know, a lot of people still prefer that. Yeah. And, and yeah, but for me, the challenge is how can I come up with coffee regular that's the best one? Yep. That once you add milk and two sugars, it's still so. I'm thinking right. now, hairy <laughs> chest might be the. Ca- no, it's okay. I can I can tweak, I can tweak hammer and tongs. I think I think that's. I mean, I, I think that the the coffee drinking though in New York has changed. I mean, I feel like that 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 really light and sweet kind of coffee is a is a, like a generation older. I think mm-hmm. than most yeah, people who are drinking coffee and people now. now take most of their coffee black. Yep. Or as a cappuccino, right? Or a latte, yeah. And yeah, and obviously um, Starbucks have had a hand in shaping our coffee culture. Sure, um, yeah. absolutely. And it's yeah. So there's that as well. So I'm also I'm very impressed by the space and the factory that you guys have put in here. It's not mm-hmm. just a shop. I mean, I feel like often when brands come to the United States or come to Brooklyn from other places, it's an outpost and it is representative of the brand. Mm-hmm. But you guys are really... No, no, you're going to put in a full wholesale yeah, program. Here. You've got a big... You know, we're here for I'm good. I'm staring at a giant Loring roaster in yes. the corner that's like and bright if, and shiny if, and if, new. It's about should, to... You, you, I'll show you the, <laughs> the, the flue, the chimney. Um, it's you go. Oh my God! This looks more expensive than the roaster. Oh, because it has to go all the way to the roof. Yeah, right? <laughs> and not just up to the roof. It has to go all the roof of the other building because the nets wouldn't have a bar of a chimney sticking out of their mm. practice court. <laughs> right, we're downstairs from the nets. Yes. So um, so no, no, we're in here for the long haul. We're yeah. actually now looking for trying to finalize a few spots in Manhattan. So we're hoping to open. Here we go. Our ETA for this one was November 2018. 
So we're now, you know, sort of like um, <laughs> ridiculously saying, ah, August, September, Manhattan store. So we'll see how we go. I mean, that's one of those New York things, right? Construction mm. always takes longer than mm. people ever imagine. Yes, but hopefully we won't have a gas line now. Yeah. That won't, that won't be the issue. <laughs> <laughs> do you have access to different coffees in Australia, like in the green state, than you do in in the United States, or is it essentially the same in the world? Um, what attracted me to the USA as well is how there's a whole lot more greens available here. Oh, wow. Okay. I envy Americans. Um, Interesting. I was expecting that answer to be the other way around. No, we're too far away from the world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> from the rest of the world. You know, I can count with my, you know, with, with one hand in terms of the, the sources of great greens, specialty coffee greens, 84-plus coffees um, in Australia, um, whereas here... There's a whole lot more people that I haven't heard of who sent me samples and whose, you know, samples were actually quite good. And, you know, I'm thinking, oh, my God, it's amazing how I can work with those people. And then, like, with the Dominican Republic coffees that I just cupped, they go, you know, it's so easy to go to DR and it's such a small island. You get to, um, you get to Santo Domingo and then you kind of just drive to the farms. And it's like, and you know what? Guess what? It gets here in 10 days. Not like in, you know, <coughs> Sydney where it will be eight to ten weeks. Wow. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm thinking, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> so right now, since your roaster is just about to get turned on here, mm -hmm. you've been bringing roasted coffee in from Australia. Do you yes. think at some point that may switch and you'll be roasting things here to ship there? Mm, I don't think we'll ever, aside, only if it's like a special sort mm. of like showcase coffee. Got it. Um... What I'm trying to do is get greens here. And ship the green coffee and, there. Yes, Got to it. there. So, And that's the beauty of being in New York as well, that I have access to great greens that I yeah. can send to and no one else has in Sydney <laughs> because they don't have American connections. So tell me about your first exposure to coffee. It was through your grandparents, right? Yeah. Um, my grandma, grandmother in the Philippines has this backyard that she shares with the rest of the people in her neighborhood but they're kind of wild and they will grow fruit trees there you know for themselves um and it's usually surrounded by rice paddies mm. um but it's got coffee trees as well so um i didn't pay attention to the coffee trees because it's like it's what's exciting about a coffee tree whereas right. yeah, a mango tree would be a bit <laughs> more you know <laughs> right. the, the rewards are more immediate with a mango tree so um um, and so she, you know, she grew coffee in the backyard and then um, she processed it there. So she'd pick out the ripe cherries, lay them out on the driveway, and then after a couple of weeks of dry enough, then she'll get the guys to come in and, and pound them open to expose the seeds, and that's the coffee. Yeah. And then the women, you know, her sisters, and she would roast them in a big wok and turn them over with you know, bamboo paddles until they're black, and then we grind them, you know, the same thing that we grind our, our you mince our meat in and stuff mm -hmm. like And that's what we had for coffee. And every morning, that's that's the ritual we'd have. It's, we'd wake up early, we'd smell the coffee, and then I'll get sent to the bakery um, down the road, and I'll come back with some buns, or we call it pandesal, um, and then we'll have it with our coffee. 
So that was, you know, that's what we did for summer holidays. It was kind of the best memory. Yeah. Um, and so I've been honed to appreciate real coffee from the start. And for me, instant coffee was like another hot beverage. Nothing to do with coffee, something else. It tastes quite different. Yeah. So, and I kind of grew up knowing how real coffee tastes like. And so I've always gravitated towards, you know, the real one. Um, like when my parents moved to PNG, you know, PNG is known for its coffee as well. So we've had PNG coffee then. And then so I've just been searching for the good stuff. Um, and so when we arrived in, in Sydney, it was espresso. And, you know, sort of like I, I was enamored with the espresso way of making coffee so it's very technical you know lots of machines and all that kind of stuff so yeah and and I geeked out totally and (laughs) and and you know that's the start and you know we ended up opening a cafe because the expense for the hobby was too much right Uh, (laughs) and 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 yeah exactly that it's like whether you you know follow your your hobbies to the point where you end up doing a business out of it because For sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I love the your coffee names, um, mm. and I really and I also think that they're very, um, they're both indicative of what people can expect from the coffee, mm. like hairy chest, but they also are a little bit like wordplay, which I love. Mm. I love that Nocturne yeah. is what is the name for your decaf. Yes. It's such a good wordplay. <laughs> yes. Yes, and then it. you know, and people get it, you know, still. The Sydney siders would still get it wrong. And they go, "Can I have a, a can I have a bag of knockout?" <laughs> it's a different thing. It's a different thing and, and stuff like that. So if you're doing with CBD in it, right? That's the knockout. That's yes, um, exactly. And then and yeah, no, no. It's it's and that's the thing. It's coffee's fun. And then in terms of selling coffee and 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 marketing coffee, it's even more fun. Right. And and I guess that's kind of like what makes me stay in this business as well there's just too much fun to be had to start <laughs> i mean with hammer and tongs it's like what does it mean well you know well it's an australian term but what it means is you know when it's a it's a what's it called blacksmithing yep. where if if you go at something with such vigorous um enthusiasm that's you know going at something with hammer and tongs mm-hmm. and it's kind of like our blend here in new york you know we're at it hammer and tongs again yep. you know and so now you yeah. guys have something that I've never seen with any other coffee roaster, which is you have a, a roast that's specifically meant to match soy milk. So yes, soy milk. But in yes, yes, I, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to um to to do it here because soy milk tends to curdle and mm. react to the espresso. Um, and when people see it, it's like this floating tofu in you know on top of your latte, and right. people disgusted by it. So. I thought, no, I, I need to find something that works very well. So, uh, you know, experimented with a blend. And obviously, the, the more you develop it, the less acid. But it's usually the acid that, that reacts to sure. the soy. So to reduce that acid but still retain the sweetness. So in terms of the, the, the coffee, the origin choices and the roasting, so I came up with that. And then, you know, it, it, it became quite popular. Hmm. Um, and we call it dovetail because, you know, it, it's specifically to fit soy and it's right. become pretty much a you know regular as well for others who don't drink soy but like the flavor right 
So no, but that I, I really I love that that that's a very forward thinking. I've never seen anybody else do it, mm. and I love the idea of that because as alternative milks become such a big oh deal, my god, they're everywhere. Um, they're everywhere. Oat, yep, almonds. Yeah, almond. all kinds. Oat, oat is has been my favorite plant-based milk lately. Um, it's got body, mm. and plus the production of oat doesn't necessitate like tons and tons of oats for a minuscule amount of, right. of product at the end whereas sure. that's what you do with almond right um and but it tastes good tastes well with coffee it's it's you know very nice to pour art into so um yeah and and i mean we are also roasters and blenders and i think that's a dying art because people now tend to just showcase just a single estate single origin coffee mm -hmm. as a feature coffee and sometimes they don't even bother with blending you can have in your you know if you like your latte you can have today a latte with a brazil tomorrow the choice might be different because that's what they're highlighting um but for us we have a different approach i mean there's a lot of creativity in blending there's heaps you know never-ending flavor profiles that you can express with blending and it's also a talent in terms of trying to put together beans that will work well and and, and come up with the flavor profile that you intended i think it's i don't know people don't seem to appreciate that anymore these days but you know it's it's you know it's something that keeps me going i mean it's something i'm excited about so yeah. i'll keep doing it yeah so there are some studies that have shown that women have a better and more accurate sense of smell and taste than men do? Yeah, I tend not to highlight that. <laughs> Guys tend to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to highlight for this for this conversation mm. um, that you and your partner are both women, mm -hmm. and it is a women-owned business. Yes. Um, and that you are the head roaster, and so mm. I, you know, I wanted to I wanted to just talk. A little bit about that in a in a world where you know business continues to be dominated, be male dominated. Mm. There's still an income disparity between men and women. It's pretty large. Oh yes. Um, and so you know, do you feel like some of your success as a roaster um, is because you do have a better sense of smell and taste? Yes, I, I no doubt. Um, and the choices that I make towards my buying mm -hmm. highlights that. And that's why I find, I guess, blending is, is such a joy um, because that's flavor-driven. You're, yeah. you're, you're producing a profile, and, and, and how you arrive there um, is, is, is what the challenge is for me. Um, and plus, you know, um, I also won, not to toot my horn, um, the inaugural um, Australian Cupping Championship, where it's, it's a challenge of tasting three coffees, Two of the same ones, different, and it's kind of like when we had those two. There is distinction in those two Brazils, sure. but um, yeah, um, and doing it under time pressure. Yeah. So I won that, um, and I guess it's because and and most often a lot of the people who win these kinds of things are, are women. Hmm. Um, they've got very sharply honed, uh, I guess, sense of smell and sense of taste. Uh, at, some people uh, theorize that it's because they've had to do it as a protection for their kids oh, sure. uh, in terms of having to sense more of, uh, I guess, the unpleasant and the poisonous in, 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 in food and yeah. drink that they've honed that. Um, and so they've got sharper, uh, I guess, olfactory 
senses. Um, and no, I, I do believe that. It's, 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 it's just that I guess women don't tend to, well, they tend to underassess themselves all the time. Um, and while they might have very sharp senses, you know, if you're comparing, you know, if you have two cuppers and comparing the, the, the quality of a coffee, you know, once a guy, once, once a woman, and, and you, most often you, you'll see that there's a lot of, uh, I, I guess, verbalizations from, from the guy's point of view, but most often it's also very broad. Things like, oh, this is kind of like, I'm getting a very uh, fruity vibe from this coffee, or you know, I like it. It's smooth. It's pleasant, and so the, the guy would be like that. Whereas the woman would go, "Yes, I, I get blueberries. I have malic acids coming through. It's this and that, and then the aromas I get. So they're a bit more specific, sure, and and they're a bit more on point with their, whereas but they're not necessarily loud and and articulate." Um, and, and, and yeah, and I guess women have a lot of talents, but it's most often they're kind of underestimated and they even underestimate themselves. And I, I guess why I'm here is to prove that, you know, um, and, you know, I'm not aware, we don't do it mindfully, but we tend to, in Australia, we employ, we're actually the, probably the roaster employs kind of like a whole lot of women a lot of our baristas are women, um, uh, and here as well. As you can see, we have yet to employ a guy, um, only because it's it, 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 only because I guess we just gravitate gravitate towards people that just want to get the job done, mm -hmm. um, can uh, multitask, have a sense of what's important. They can geek out, but there's also no a time and a place to geek out about things. And I think those people that tend to be women all the time sure. and that's why we end up employing <laughs> yeah. yeah women and I think yeah there's this um I don't know the world is changing and I'm hoping the way it's um evolving towards is to value these kinds of things qualities that will allow women to progress more I suppose and 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 to um promote themselves more um but yeah but coffee is still a very male dominated industry it's still a bro right um and i remember uh, just very very recent, recently in sydney guys would come and ask me about my profiles my roast profiles and what i'm buying now and stuff and just you know i i guess to i have no idea guys tend to do this a lot and i get irritated because i'm roasting i just want to get on with my job <laughs> and so what i did was i um i was telling judith this and because Caravaggio just had a, a exhibit in New South Wales um, art gallery, and there's this big, you know, the the the, the original of Artemisia Gentileschi's Judith slaying Holofernes, and I was like, I sat there for for like twenty minutes just like looking at it, and I saw I, I I brought prints home, and I put it on the roastery, and so when guys come and they look at that, they kind of tend to go back to the front and drink their coffee quietly. <laughs> So, so I finally had my quiet moment. And I'm not bothered by the guys trying to, I don't know what they're doing, just sounding me off. Guys tend to do that a lot. So anyway. So let's I thought uh, that was let's a, talk about the food. I mean, yes. you guys, so you guys are providing food here yes. at Gumption in New York, and I assume in your 
forthcoming other locations. Oh yeah, also have food. and this is this is and that's why we kind of industry city is kind of like a testing ground for us, coffee wise and food wise. Um, yeah, it's it's a first for us. Um, we didn't know how to do. We know how to eat. We love <laughs> eating food, um, but this is the food is precisely that. It's it's what we like about New York, and. New York for us is, is an adventure as well as a challenge. It's finding out about what New York is like about their coffee and delivering that. And I've been on the phone to Sydney going, can you stop making my coffee fruity? <laughs> stop making it fruity. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a Sydney hipster. I'm a New Yorker now. <laughs> and, 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 and so, yeah, I've been sort of like telling them, can you develop it further? I want more chocolates. I want more caramels. Fruit is not the only flavor you can derive out of coffee. Coffee is much more, has a wider spectrum than that. And I think sometimes Sydney likes to stick to rules and they are limited by the rules. But I'm, I'm glad that New York's, you know, I'm experiencing New York and I'm pushing those boundaries a bit and, and it's making me appreciate coffee more. Awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to Thank you. let me taste your coffees and do the cupping today and come Thank and taste the much. delicious food. Thanks for listening to Feast Your Ears today. You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please take a moment to rate and review the show. Please reach out to me if you have any questions. You can reach me via email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com. You can follow me on Instagram at thefoodballer. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.